Hi guys and welcome to another episode. Today we have Eve Simmons. She's the Deputy Health Editor of The Mail on Sunday. Uh, she's also the co-author of Eat It Anyway. And she is also uh, has a website called Not Plant Based, um, which you can find on Instagram as well. Welcome Eve, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for having Hi. me, I'm delighted. Thank you for letting us in your in your lovely flat as well. You're very <laughs> yeah, welcome, yeah. I don't know how lovely or clean it is. I sort of walked it's in. It's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously we, we saw kind of the stuff that you do on Instagram mainly because that's kind of the most accessible to kind of see what you do. Mm. Um, so how did you kind of firstly get into, I guess, talking about health, talking about diet, uh, talking about kind of body confidence and that sort of stuff? Was there like mm. a point where you that kind of triggered it or...? Yeah, so it was about two and a half years ago now. Um, I was in treatment for an eating disorder. Um, I then, as I'm a journalist, so during my treatment, I was sort of writing about my experience the whole time, really. And then when I came out, a lot of it was um, triggered by me realising that all the things I thought I knew about health and diet and how to eat healthily were just completely wrong. Right. and actually, you know, you can eat carbs and you should eat carbs. Yeah. And all of the things that I'd been cutting out of my diet and all of the stuff that I'd read online and on blogs was actually a load of rubbish. And, yeah. um, so I started writing about that at length. Um, I then appeared in a BBC Three documentary, um, which did quite well. It's called Clean Eating's Dirty Secrets. Right. Um, that was in at the end of 2016. So how did you get noticed for that? Um, just through writing. Well, uh, I had just through the of, industry that you're in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always sort of written, and I had some pieces published by. Uh, there was one piece that was published by the Telegraph, and oh, right. it was sort of at the time when clean eating was on this big high. Yeah. Um, and everyone who was anyone was doing it. All the celebrities Trendy. were talking about it. Yeah. yeah. It was super trendy Um, and it was before it had really like tumbled I guess so everyone was was really taken with it and I was I think one of the first people to call it out and sort of say hang on a minute is it this is it actually this helpful and um and I've been through this experience and here's an example of how it can go wrong um and at the time that I was writing uh, Ruby Tando who was on Great British Bake Off she is a massive critic of um, clean eating too she sort of wrote, wrote this massive piece in I think it was on Vice, um, yeah. and that did really well, and so people started to wake up to it. Um, and then the BBC Three documentary producers thought, okay, this looks interesting, we're going to look into it. And so they called me up after they read my piece and said, oh, okay. um, we'd like to talk to you about your experience. Can right. you appear in the in the um, in the show? And I did. And then from that, um, a f- uh, somebody who was who had a similar experience to me, she'd also had an eating disorder and was also really disturbed by all of these messages mm. that clean eating was pushing out um, and decided that she wanted to start a website right. that was just really um, sort of basic, common sense nutrition, trying to demystify all yeah. of this stuff about food and eating yeah. and, and sort of bring the pleasure and joy back into food a bit. Yeah, and sure. At the time, I was working on a book proposal, um, wanted to go to publishers with a book, and it just seemed that her idea and mine were sim- so kind similar. went hand in hand right. yeah, yeah. And it would be silly not to marry them up and we um, met for a coffee in Pret in Victoria um, got on really well realised that we chimed really well together and so thought why don't we set up a website um, and so Not Plant Based was born and that was uh, September 2016 so did you kind of both have similar ex- uh, experiences that kind of took you to that point yeah. is that what it was yeah so yeah. Laura um, who was that the other girl yeah. she 
I mean, similar, but also very different. Yeah, sure. So she um, suffered with bulimia from sort of all throughout her teenage years, yeah. basically. Which is, I mean, the reason why I think that my experience is quite unique, and I guess I think sometimes it's a good illustration of how clean eating can actually in itself be so damaging mm. and diets, yeah. diet culture can be so damaging. Yeah. Um, I was brought up in North London in a, uh, a Jewish family. Yeah. Food was so much a part of my life. It was about celebration yeah. every um, festi- festival and holiday. Yeah, there definitely. Was, you know, like it is with, with loads of sort of cultural Yeah, yeah. yeah especially friends, for us as well, it's exactly the same. It's, yeah. kind of all, it's all around family. It's all about kind of enjoying exactly. a huge meal. That's yeah, kind of like and the culture. all my friends, like my all my girl, well, two of my best girlfriends are Greek. Yeah. And so it like it was never a thing. It was always like we love food. We would always like there was nothing we loved more sure. than getting together and all cooking a big meal or whatever. Um, and so for me to then suddenly develop an eating disorder was really strange. Mm. Um, what age was you when you? Twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. Yeah. So I was quite old yeah. um, in terms of the demographic of people who develop eating right. disorders. Whereas Laura was, I guess, a more classic case. Yeah. So it started for her when she was about fifteen. She developed body image issues. And yeah. then um, it was like somebody said you're fat, and she just sort of for some reason just, that yeah. just snapped, yeah. And and she decided that she wanted to go on a diet, and that yeah. very quickly slipped into making herself sick and turned yeah. into this horrible eating disorder. Look, I think there's a fine line between going on a diet uh, and then taking it the wrong way, and like obviously you can get more and more attached to it Definitely. rather than people might. Whereas, whereas like for example, me, you might look at me and think, oh, you're on a diet. But it's not, for me, it's, I don't see myself as on a diet. I just mm. feel like I'm... It might be a change of your... It's just a certain way that I eat. Mm. A change of your regular eating. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just a, a tidy up of my mm. normal diet, if you know mm. what I mean. Mm. Uh, whereas, I know, I can understand how some people get body conscious mm. and then you know, take, take it to an extreme yeah. in a certain sense. It becomes obsessive. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I mean, I think there's two issues. I think, firstly, I think for men and, and women, I think men increasingly now are being more affected mm. by mm, the issues definitely. that for decades and decades women have really predominantly yeah. been affected by. But I do think that there's a difference for men and women. I think there's a huge amount of more pressure on women um, in terms of the way that they look and the mm. way that they're presented to the world. And a lot of yeah. the worth of women is mm. based on the way that we look. And yeah. that's going to take generations and yeah. generations. I mean, that's been for such a long time like that. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's just going to take a long, long time for that yeah. to... Especially somebody who doesn't necessarily want to look at women that way. It might just be a natural instinct to first completely. judge on how they look. Yeah. Even if that's not like your yeah. intention. Yeah, completely. Um, so it's going to be a hard one to... Hopefully mm. it will change. I think it, it is, but it's still, yeah, a lot of pressure, yeah. especially for social as well, like, makes oh, it even worse. Oh, it's, like, much worse, yeah. yeah. And now it's all... Because if you think about it, I mean, I've been I've looked quite a lot at some of the psychological studies, and yeah. it's really interesting that um, there's this thing, self-comparison, that's, that determines who our, who our idea of ourselves is. So mm. as we're growing up, if you think about it, when we were kids, like you might go to school and you compare yourself to the other kids in the playground or the other kids at school and think like, oh, she's got this hair and I have that yeah, hair. Yeah. Um, but you'd go home from school and you'd be with your parents and then you're in this safe yeah, environment yeah. where there's none of that going on. Yeah, I was, just, be, I was speaking to my, my dad about that, actually, about bullying. Because mm. it's the same thing about, you know, like external bullies. Um, like where you're at school, you might get bullied. So kids say something to you in the playground or whatever, but then you go home you know three o'clock comes and like you don't see it you kind of don't see him until nine o'clock the next day but whereas now 
you know, you go home and then they're on social media and you're getting... You know, Sometimes just from social media as well. Yeah. You might not see it and then you, it's online. So it's basically like all the time. away from it. Yeah, yeah. it's constant. It's constant. Yeah. And you're constantly comparing yourself. Yeah. Like the minute, it might not even be a message from someone, but yeah. the minute you look at your phone and the, and the minute you wake up in the morning, mm. you're comparing. Yeah. And, and that... I think that's especially with Instagram as well, because, you know, you see like Instagram models taking... Selfies that take like two hundred pictures. That aren't real. It's yeah, perfection. Yeah. To put one post up, mm. and, it's, it's and like, then yeah, yeah, you compare yourself. And it's like it's could you be the smallest trigger as well? It does it doesn't even. It could be like six months of nothing. You mm. see one post, yeah. and mm. it can kind of trigger you the other way. Mm. Completely. So it's, it's quite sensitive to mm. yeah. Whether it, it's also like whether it should be like an age, if at social app should be age gated or not. Like it's. Mm. Mm. Like whether you need to, even it's I don't know if that will make a difference. Control, though, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to please. Yeah. I think that's mm. the difficulty. Yeah, but um, I guess the thing is, what I always say is that for a lot of people, yeah, they can absolutely go on a diet, like you said, mm. and it doesn't turn into anything obsessive. Yeah. They might do it for a few months and it's finished, mm. um, and that, and it doesn't really take up a lot of their headspace. Mm. Um, but there are people who are vulnerable to developing a more obsessive relationship yeah. with yeah. it, um, and I think. What we know from the figures is that it's more and more and more um, as the years go on and as the pressures on young people especially mm. increase, mm. Um, there's a lot more people who are, who are becoming more vulnerable to developing these sorts of obsessive mm. behaviours and thought patterns. And I guess for me, I had always had such a healthy relationship with food. Like yeah. I've never even, mm. I'm lucky, I'm small and yeah. I've always been able to eat sort of like what I wanted what and want. never really worried about it. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of my friends was sort of would struggle and would talk about it a lot yeah. when I was always like well I don't have to worry really yeah. um so it was really bizarre that I basically went into the fashion industry my first job when I qualified as a journalist was in fashion journalism mm. and I was sort of like 21 22 at that age where I was trying to figure out who I was what my identity was where I fit in kind of thing I was still living at home yeah. um I just got in my first long-term relationship yeah um and so I was trying to sort of like figure out where everything slotted in um and I guess I just thought I would try on the fashion girl for size and I mm. thought oh well, maybe I want to be in fashion I want to be all fashiony and <laughs> realize that everyone in the industry didn't really eat very much yeah, of course, yeah. and so I thought oh well I'll just do that for a while because that's just a way of fitting in and that's what people do mm, yeah. and thought I just do it for a few months um and just like not have breakfast like everyone else does and maybe yeah. like eat a little lunch and then I'll be fine and for about two or three weeks I was fine it didn't really take up much of my headspace I was able to still go home and have a big dinner and not really think about it um but the more and more time I spent sort of in this I, I used to refer to it as a bit of a habit it was like a yeah, game yeah. I was sort of playing yeah um the more I got into that cycle the more difficult it was to get out of it um and then I lost about 20 percent of my body weight within about wow. six months oh my God. yeah without even really realizing um at which point my mum was like you need to get yourself down to the GP yeah, yeah. and put on some bloody weight and eat yeah. a sandwich um and at that point, it was like, okay, I'm going to sit you down and make you meals with my mum, and you're going to sit there and eat it. And I realised I couldn't. I was just too anxious. So, so what what is it that you what is it that you felt inside? Like you felt like if I if I did have a big lunch, what you're gonna was it you like image conscious? What was it? What yeah, was it? it's sort of. I guess it's really difficult to explain. It's it's a bit like. Um, it's it's anxiety basically right. so it's it's being hugely fearful of the what ifs yeah so what people I've are going to think of you or... 
well, um, what will happen if I eat this? So I have been eating in this certain way for this amount of time yeah. and my body has done this. Um, and so if I then start eating differently, will I just gain loads of weight? So was quickly? you happy with the way you looked once? Yeah, you it's a sort of really sick, like, um, it, the thing is, it's really difficult to explain because it was never ever a body image thing for me. Mm. I never was like, I want to be really thin. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but as soon as you sort of start losing weight and you realise that you have this sense of control over something, then you want to hold on to that control. Yeah. And there becomes this fear surrounding what happens if I lose that control. Right. Yeah. Um, and what happens with the psychobiological illness with anorexia, which is what I had, mm. um, and any restrictive eating disorder actually, is that once you reach a certain low weight your cognition stops working properly and you mm. become almost like in oh, a wow. malnourished cognitive mm. state um and there's been loads of experiments with people who are sort of essentially starving yeah. that have showed that once you get to a certain low weight your brain almost um becomes obsessed with losing even more weight right. it's a really weird um weird phenomena that um mm. i don't quite understand but it's 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 essentially means that the illness is self-perpetuating. Yeah, it's almost like it convinces you that you're achieving something. Like, even yeah. though you're not, potentially your mind's... Because it's, like you said, it's not kind of working correctly. Yeah. You, you feel like if you do lose more weight, you'll get into a place where you want to be, but really it's... Yeah. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah, effect. I mean, it's it's a survival thing. That yeah, once exactly. you get to a certain low weight, you're um, fixated on food and yeah. body image and calorie yeah. intake. Um, so they did loads of experiments on, um, I think it was Holocaust survivors when they yeah. just come out of the um, starvation camp, yeah. on, of the, like, essentially the death camps, yeah. Mm, yeah. And they were all starving. And um, they found that when they actually tried to give them food, they rejected it. Wow. And they didn't want it. Mm. And and they were actually very obsessed, showing very anorexic tendencies. So mm. very obsessed with being very thin and actually not eating. Mm. Um, so it's a, re- it's a weird sort of like psychobiological yeah. thing that happens. So you, you actually, as much as you want to recover, yeah. once you're at a certain weight, it's really difficult. Um, and sort of ironically, the thing that, that, that kickstarts the recovery is eating and getting to a certain weight. Sure. Um, so you're in this really weird situation where it's almost impossible to get better without reaching a certain weight. But then how do you reach that certain weight if your brain is telling eating, you yeah. it's like a vicious don't cycle. eat? Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah, that's why it requires very specialist intervention, which I was mm. lucky enough to have. At what age did you like come come out of? Um, so I went into hospital. Well. Um, Unfortunately, I was diagnosed in the April um, and unfortunately the NHS services being as stretched as they were didn't actually get any specialist help until the June, which in the scheme of things actually now is pretty good. Mm. Um, But at the time with anorexia, days are so valuable and so precious. Um, And within those three months, I'd lost a further like... I don't know how much it was, but a further sort of like half a stone or something. Um, and I got down to an even more severe low mm. weight. And this was with, I had, was lucky enough that my mum was terrified and so wanted to get me into yeah. private help so uh, I could see somebody in between waiting for NHS. Yeah. yeah. So I was seeing someone every couple of weeks, but even with seeing someone, I still was just losing weight and losing weight and losing weight. Um, 
and so by the time I got into treatment which was like mid-June July um I was just I was so ill and I wanted desperately to get better yeah but I just couldn't help myself yeah um and so within about two weeks I went on to a I went on to a um, full-time day patient program. So that was from 10 o'clock in the morning until five o'clock at night. Right. Um, because I said I wanted to carry on working and I was fine and I was in huge denial. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I, I stopped working because the hospital called me and said, you have to come into this day treatment center tomorrow. Um, and I said, I have a full-time job, no. And they said, well, if you don't come in voluntary, then we'll have to take you into hospital. And that might, that may be under a section order right. under the Mental Health Act. So I obviously panicked and said, yeah. fine, fine, fine. Yeah, I yeah. had to tell my boss that I had to just leave my job, which was horrific. Um, so I started that the next day. And then within a week, I ended up in an inpatient unit in hospital. because so I just couldn't, even being on that unit, they just couldn't, couldn't help you. Couldn't help me enough. I couldn't gain yeah. the weight. Um, and they, they were, I was at the point where my weight was so low that my organs were sort of failing and they were wow. like, we need to get you into hospital. Yeah. So, how, how long, were, obviously I'm, there's, I'm sure there's a, could be a kind of a constantly recovering period, mm. but was there like a, a time where you kind of started feeling better and how long was that? point of recovery was it yeah so um when I went into hospital <laughs> it was pretty horrendous and that was about I was there for about six weeks um but it's really odd and I always say this to people when they're in that situation and they're asking me for advice um and sadly the only advice I can give is to eat which isn't yeah. helpful when yeah. you're in well, that situation it's... yeah but um the first meal I had it was um, a plate, I always remember it was this plate of like creamy pasta, oh, yeah. which was my absolute nightmare. Mm. I was like, literally was sat in front of me, I hadn't eaten carbs in what, about a year. And I was like, what the fuck, how am I, how am I gonna this? do yeah. this? Um, and unfortunately, when you're in hospital and you have someone staring at you, you have no choice but to finish it. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a lot of people who don't, and then they, they end up having to have, they're forced to have supplementary drinks, or, yeah. or some people wouldn't tube fed through their nose which is terrific um I thankfully wasn't at that point so I could eat it orally um and I did and within the first mouthful something just clicked it's really weird it's literally like your brain is forced into accepting Mm. the thing that you're scared of and so it just has to go with it it's almost a bit like if you have a phobia and they say the only way to, to fight F- the phobia, face, to just do to it. Face yeah. The phobia, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a bit like that. And it's almost like you can feel your brain like changing and being like, okay, maybe I can deal with this now. Maybe it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, and then like the next day, they asked me, you have, you have I had to have a, like something to eat or drink before I went to bed. And one of the options was a milkshake. Mm. Nightmare again. <laughs> never have had it. Like, it was like, no, I'm not absolutely not. And they said, well, you have to. Um, what flavour do you want? And I was like, oh, I panicked and said like vanilla or something, which I didn't want. And now thinking that I would be like, I would never choose that. Obviously chocolate. Um, <laughs> no, I love vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I remember just ha- drinking it. And within a minute I thought, what, what, what? Like, what was I worried about? What, what, yeah, what it's almost like problem? all you had to do was just, it's obviously easier said than done, but just having to take that sip. Yeah. was all it was maybe just to yeah. not I'm not saying in every case but in your case yeah. just to trigger that I was lucky because a brain, lot of yeah. people it's not that simple yeah. and sort of from that moment really um, every with every meal it just got easier and easier and easier 
Um, and then at the end, you know, I wasn't sort of... It's really weird because you get to a certain point where you're, you restore some of your weight, so your, your cognition's sort of working yeah. again. But then you have to deal with all of the reasons why you became ill in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and then so I went into therapy. I had a lot of therapy. Um, and it... It's it's still something that I'm you know now I would say I'm more recovered than I've ever been and you know I'm yeah, yeah. hopefully so, so do you think people. it's like a, a lifelong uh, not I wouldn't say fight but like mm. you know a lifelong struggle with mm. food or would you say like you're past it now and you can kind of like put it in the past and yeah. eat pretty much without thinking about what you're eating? I think I think I I can eat I do. 99.9% of the time mm. eat without thinking yeah. and I would say I'm sort of back to where I am pre-eating disorder yeah. maybe give or take maybe a yeah. little tiny bit sometimes yeah. when I'm stressed maybe I'll, I'll have some might thoughts come across your mind yeah, yeah I yeah. think the, dif- the difference is is you you might have the thoughts but you know where they've come from yeah. and you know you've had that experience not to act now. on them yeah. um and also I guess I have a huge amount more insight from all the bloody hours of therapy I've had um, into myself and my, not weaknesses, but my... Insecurities. Yeah, my insecurities and my complexities and where they come from. And I've also spent a lot of time researching the culture we live in and reading up about society and feminism and understanding why women feel the way that they feel about their bodies and mm. I guess that has um that's really uh, pushed my recovery yeah. massively and and in that sense I think I'm more recovered than I was before my eating disorder yeah because you're, you're a lot more educated as well, yeah, on it yeah. as well which yeah. helps a lot. and I realize um, now that there were things that I thought exactly and I felt about myself before my eating disorder that I would never have thought mm. was disordered yeah but now I'm like massively disordered yeah. and I never I yeah. never I always said I know there were never any signs I never worried about and like now I think actually it's probably the same as what 99% of women have I don't think that mm. I was abnormal in no, the not, slightest no. but that's but what's so sad I, I think we not. I think all of us when we eat something like you know bad mm. uh, we all kind of have that little bit of guilt you know like if you have a massive pizza to yeah. yourself you kind of feel like Oh, tomorrow oh, no, I'm gonna I have to. I shouldn't have done know, that. Like, yeah. Or you know, you always have that like, oh, sh- shouldn't have had that donut. I should have had an apple. Or you know, but you still eat it in anyway. But I think we've all, we all have that inside us. Mm. It just I think if you've got like an obsessive uh, tendency w- within you, like psychologically, mm. then I think some people can latch onto it a little bit more stronger, mm. or maybe like you know go down the ro- the wrong mm. road if you know what I mean. Mm. Where some people get obsessed with you know, fitness and take that to an extreme, mm. uh, drugs, alcohol, you know, all the other mm. ones, so. Mm. Do you think there's a, do you think with, um, obviously yours was an eating disorder, but do you think it could have been anything else that was obsessive, so, like, I don't know, alcohol or kind of anything else that kind of is addictive, or do you think it's, uh, just based on some of the work you've done, mm. is it, is it always, if you are a certain way, is it always going to be through food, or is there going to be other kind of mm. addictions you can... Um, you can go down potentially, or is yeah. So eating disorders, um, scientifically, I guess, are a different kettle of fish to 
um, addictions. Addiction, yeah. Um, and to there's the the biggest crossover I would say with obsess would be with obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but even obsessive compulsive disorder, there's this sort of myth that it's about you know people say I'm a bit OCD or I'm a bit obsessive. Um, it's actually it's a it's a very complex illness. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about having a bit of an obsessive personality. It's a very life affecting, um, mm. debilitating oh. disease. Yeah. Um, that's uh they think is partly genetic and partly to do with um neurotransmitters in the brain and etc etc it's 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 very complicated um and eating disorders are similar again there's lots of research now that shows that um i think it's they think something like 60 percent of it is genetic um so maybe not necessarily that you're i think if, if you have a parent or a grandparent who have an eating disorder you're something like twice as likely to have yeah. one um but but there's certain characteristics in the brain or genetic characteristics that carry through that can present in, as eating disorders um i guess the difference is with addictions is that you in order for something to, to have an addictive element there has to be a withdrawal element yeah. um and a reward function um with eating disorders there's no withdrawal okay um and the reward function is really difficult to research because all food gives us a sense of reward, right? Yeah. We're, mm. we're biologically designed yeah. to get some sort of reward yeah. from food. Yeah. Now, with eating disorders, that function is disrupted. It's not as simple as um, as as you get the same reward that, that every, every <coughs> healthy person without right. an eating disorder would have. It's slightly disrupted. So they think that that's why there's this genetic element that means that people with eating disorders have a certain problem in that area of their brain which means that that reward function is slightly disrupted um so i guess that uh i personally feel that there's there's been an awful lot of research into eating disorders but i think that the government have not funded um putting that research into practice enough i think for the amount that we know now about eating disorders there should be way better treatment than there is um we know that it's uh, has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness it's it's the only mental illness that is psychobiological so mm. it affects your physical health and your mental health yeah. um and there's a lot of private clinics who offer 12-step type programs which are the same type of program that you will offer for an addiction yeah. um they are not necessarily based on very good evidence um there's not a lot of studies out there to show that they work and so treating eating disorders as if they are an addiction so i was trying to use the same model but yeah they're wildly different very different yeah exactly and also i i I feel strongly that um these are very powerful diseases um and just like if you had cancer yeah you know you wouldn't expect someone to go on a 12-step program and like abstain from I don't know the thing that was causing the cancer yeah, in yeah. order to treat them. You would you would expect a really robust set of evidence-based treatments yeah. um, and help from the professionals and the scientists who know what they're talking about in order to help you. Mm. Um, and I feel that we need that for eating disorders. So how do you think that that could get implemented? Like what through like schools? Like or how how would how would people get help? You know or like learn more about it. Mm. How how would you think? That? I guess without the funding, if for example there isn't any funding, it could be. I guess learning from younger or yeah. it's difficult to it depend if you want to kind of expose people to that if they don't need to be exposed to it or mm. 
it's quite a, well, quite I a think, tricky one. Yeah, I think mm. that... Um, so what they always say about eating disorders is that there's lots of risk factors and one of the is that well they usually say that it's like this perfect triad so you have a um personality type vulnerability so um personality types that are high risk are uh perfectionistic high achieving Mm. um intelligent usually very um stringent in the way that they think Um, not necessarily obsessive but just like to be perfect and good at things in control yeah Yeah. in control exactly um and then there's also sometimes a history of trauma or uh, some sort of history of um difficulty in childhood but not always Mm -hmm. um and then there's a trigger um so i guess for me the trigger would be being in fashion um and everyone being on a diet and me thinking i need to do that too um the trauma would probably be at the time, I didn't think this had anything to do with it, but now I realise that it was, that my dad died when I was 12. Um, and I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm not a perfectionist by any stretch, but I'm, like, quite anxious and like to be in control. Yeah. Um, so so I guess I sort of fit the criteria in that yeah. way, but there's a lots, of, lots of people that don't. Um, so I guess that the thing that we can work on would be the personality vulnerability and... Um, at a young age and I, and I guess the trigger to some extent as well because at a young age and in teenage years there's loads of triggers for people mm. so like you know you're in I mean I went to a girls school and it was horrific like yeah. the amount of diet yeah. crap bollocks that was going <sighs> yeah, on all the imagine. time yeah and at the time I was lucky that I had quite a good sense of my body image but like Laura who I did the website with clearly didn't and, yeah. and so that was the trigger for her yeah. so um you know, I don't think that we need to have lessons that are like, this is what an eating disorder is. No. And specifically no. say that you It's hard you to like yourself. catch people, you mm. know, before they go in. That's what I want to... That was like more my question where, like, how do you how do you put a stop to it before it becomes anything, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's about... Because um, once they've got it, it's hard to... You know, you, exactly. Then you're, then you're in the recovery it's stage recovery, where it's yeah. like, okay, how do you prevent it? Yeah, that's... I mean, it's all about prevention, isn't it? Yeah. That's how you're going to protect most yeah. people um oh it's so it's so it's hard, hard yeah. i don't know i think that um i think that there definitely needs to be more education in schools about mm. body image yeah. Um, yeah. and about different types of bodies um i also think for girls especially there needs to be an emphasis on other achievements that aren't based on the way that you look 100%. so um you know if we can encourage as many girls as possible to be focused on their um, educational attainment, um, to be focused on their career goals, to Mm. be focused on going to university, to be focused on, you know, um, hobbies or sports or whatever it is. Um, Maybe not sports because that's slightly problematic in this realm anyway but um but yeah if, if we can if we can teach girls that there's you can be anything yeah. and you don't have to be always like on instagram and taking selfies and filtering your face yeah. um because actually like what's the point there's there's a lot of other achievements you can be doing um i think that's that's part of it yeah too. i think then the, the problem is is like a phone especially for like even teenagers now it's, it's pretty much 90% of their attention yeah. on that. So it's like, how do you fight what they're interested in, which is Insta, mm. um, Snapchat, whatever you, whatever mm. you want to, whatever they use. So how do you fight that with something that's potentially making it seem more interesting than them being on their phone? Well, there's actually a really interesting recent study um, where they got, I think it was, I think it was like 
100 girls over the period of two years from um, some schools in London and some schools in Cambridge. Mm. Um, and they got them to follow five women on Instagram from a list. Right. And these were all women. They could pick five out of like 50 or something. And these were all women who I think like Michelle Obama was one of them. All right. And then, like, um, Nicola Adams, the boxer, was another yeah. one. Like, basically all women who have achieved greatness um, in in realms other than the way that they looked yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I think this these research, it was University of Cambridge, I think, and they basically they found, they did this poll of loads of young girls, teenage girls, and found that the people that they were following the most were, like, fucking... I'm Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Kylie yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, uh, also, like, Love Island stars and stuff, right. which, I mean, I follow too, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't follow them, but I can't, I can't seem to get away from them. They're reason. everywhere, <laughs> I know. It's awful, it's an addiction. Um, so, um, yeah, and so what they did was they infiltrated their feed right. with all of these different women, and they found that after about a year, the girls were then, because, like, obviously Instagram's algorithm suggests yeah other accounts yes. so like one girl was following an astronaut and then so she got all of these um ads from nasa right being like oh do you want to be an astronaut do you want to come and take our test do you want to come and and so she was like oh that's interesting and that was something she had never even considered would be an opportunity for her before yeah. all of a sudden it's like her horizons are expanding yeah. she's considering all of these other things that she's interested in that she yeah. didn't even know she was interested in because yeah. she was spending all her time looking at like Molly May. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, it's almost using that thing that's potentially harming them to use it for good because yeah. you, know, you know that influences them so much. Yeah. It could yeah. kind of work the other way. Definitely. So yeah. that, that's a, yeah, that's. And I think really there's no point in just saying don't look at Instagram because it's it like, won't happen. Well, that's not like, gonna, yeah. It won't happen. Um, the problem is you, you kind of want them to have that access as well because then they're just not going to know yeah. about anything mm. that's going on mm. so it's kind of kind of that balancing act of, mm. of both mm. um so from so was there a point where you i guess during your recovery or after where you really wanted to kind of take this and um share what your experience was um and obviously before the book and stuff was mm. it kind of like a an idea that you had that you was going to also help with your recovery but also kind of help other people through content and yeah yeah so we started doing the website um and i guess just writing we had lots of different ideas of Mm. things that we wanted to um expose um we had lots of i had lots of dietitians that i knew who were very annoyed and angry about a lot of the messages about food that was out there and they wanted me to interview them so that they could get their messages out there um so we started writing articles about diet that was sort of very evidence-based, fact-checked, right. etc. But um, all very common sense, nothing yeah. like fatty or anything, obviously. Um, and then it just seemed that people were really into it. And mm. um, we got this sense of like, I mean, I think we were only really launched like a month and we got loads of press coverage. Um, the Times did this big t- piece on us, which was insane. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden it was like there was this community that was building and people were just sick of being told you can't eat this you can't yeah. eat this you can't yeah. eat this. Well, i think that's what the food industry does they create so much confusion mm. that it makes you think do you know what throw it all out the window i'm just going to eat whatever, whatever I, want. I want yeah, yeah there's so many conflicting bits yeah. of research as well so for for 50 years you might think that you know eggs are bad then you yeah. get like another bit of research for the next five years that say eggs are the most nutritional yeah uh, food you can eat and then there's another bit of conflicting so that's kind of yeah. that confusion is yeah. like not helpful at all Completely. Um, and you don't know what to believe so I guess like mm. I guess what you're doing is I guess not 
wouldn't say simplifying it, but making it a lot more digestible. No yeah, pun intended, but like, it. yeah. yeah. Um, why, why the, uh, why the not plant based? Why is that your title? Why, why plant based? Why not like? I was, I was waiting for that question. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that, that's just. Uh, Some of my friends who are like, what, what's your problem? Why? No, I, I mean, I don't yeah. have a problem with it, but I'm just wondering why is it not like not keto or not you know why 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 specifically uh plant-based why did you go with that so i didn't actually come up with the title it was laura um but at the time it was when so i think now plant-based has become maybe more mainstream Mm. yeah whereas at the time it was a bit fringe and it was one of those like seen as like a fatty diet um and so we both were huge fans of nigella um, yeah. And Nigella's first book is called How to Be a Domestic Goddess, and it's sort of like a ironic title. So we yeah. So it was. It's kind of like that. Um, and I guess the people always say that does that mean you're against plant based diets? Like no, it it literally means what it says. It means not plant based. So it just means we're not anything. And that's yeah, the whole point. Yeah, sure. But right, like right. it was a bit of a piss take of like. Yes we're not not we're not plant-based we're not keto we're not whatever um and i i guess also i mean now i think the thing is with with plant-based diets is that to me it's just it's a label for the sake of a label Mm. like if you're vegetarian then fine you're vegetarian and i i don't i guess i i see the whole the reason why i now that Laura, Laura and I sort of parted ways with the website um, and I was considering changing the name. And, and the reason why I didn't was because I just felt like it still stands that yeah. we are not plant-based. We're not anything. We're just saying, mm. hang on a minute. All of this, like, I'm telling you what I mm. eat is just kind of bullshit. Yeah. And, like, it, all it's doing is making people feel anxious because it's giving you a set of rules that you have to... Yeah eat by or live your life by and why do we all have to place labels on everything mm. why can't we just relax let people be the way that they are and yeah. i'm sure that you know 90 percent of people who eat a plant-based diet are not ramming it down other people's yeah. necks and be like being like you have to eat this way yeah, sure. but there are a lot an awful lot of people who are and yeah. there are also an awful lot of people who define themselves by the way that they eat and i think that that is hugely mm, problematic that's a good point. i think yeah. that also occurs with meat eaters as well though yeah, I think with any, Definitely. I think with any, any like a uh, carnival diet. Well, I think keto, once you get people's, pizza, yeah. it's just like it's yeah. like with anything though. I think, uh, like you said before uh, earlier on, people have such a strong association with food mm. that once you say to someone what you're doing is wrong, mm. or not necessarily wrong, but like why are you doing that? Wh- why are you doing that when mm. you should be doing it another way? Mm. You know, and it goes back to traditions like your family might have eaten a certain way for you know centuries. You've got, you know social pressures your friends eat a certain way mm. so then if you are always being surrounded by a group of meat eaters for example and then you say i'm vegetarian or i'm plant-based or whatever you are uh then you automatically become like the outsider mm. um so i think it does take a lot of courage to step away from that mm. uh but yeah when i saw your website i thought not plant-based i thought why why i, I get it now you yeah. explained it but i mean first of all i thought what's wrong with yeah plant-based uh seeing as i've read like so much research about it i thought what's that the problem here yeah, kind of thing. yeah. i guess i understand what you're saying now. yeah i guess the thing is like i always say that the healthiest diet is so context dependent mm. so although yeah there is loads of great research about mm. how plant-based diets on the whole are probably the, the healthier mm. type of way to eat mm. um i think that uh, i i struggle with 
even that because I feel like for each individual person the healthiest diet is going to look so different yeah, yeah. so you might have a single mum who's got three yeah, yeah, kids definitely. and you know can't afford to eat mainly yeah. plant-based because mm. she frankly like doesn't have the money and yeah. doesn't yeah, have yeah, the time sure. yeah. to make her like lovely bulgur wheat taste yeah. delicious foods, yeah. she might not have the spices in the cupboard yeah, yeah. she might not be educated about what spices to add so yeah. for her the healthiest thing is to get some food on the table whatever that will be and whatever yeah. her child will eat especially with kids i've got a two-year-old so i know exactly what uh-huh. what it is to feed you know to get a kid to eat a certain thing yeah uh, so yeah i mean it's definitely like also accessibility like do you live in the middle of nowhere yeah uh, and you're shopping from like petrol stations yeah, yeah, you know, yeah of course fast food joints yeah. 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 yeah yeah and so. then there's like disabled people yeah. who for who it might be difficult to be like yeah. standing up yeah, to yeah. access certain cupboards that's and... like my grand my grandparents like um so my granddad uh he's got like a really bad like, back problem mm. um he's like had like loads of operations and stuff um so he struggles to stand up so like for him to go and cook a, a meal in a kitchen mm. is like near enough impossible so mm. you just eat pretty much like M&S uh, like ready kind of ready yeah, made like oven, oven food yeah. bang in the oven mm. 20 minutes is done mm. yeah um, which I'm not saying is healthy and for everyone to go out mm. and do but if if that's what works for him but that's the healthiest thing then, for him exactly. because the other yeah. option yeah. would be to not eat anything just, or yeah. just stand up and like nearly fall over yeah, yeah exactly so, exactly what... and also just on the topic of ready meals um, ready meals actually like now there's a lot of um, I think it's I don't know if it's legal, if it's EU regulation or something, but anyway, they have to um, adhere to a certain nutritional level. Right. So every ready meal, most ready meals in supermarkets now will actually mm. be relatively moderate mm. in their right. salt, fat and sugar right. content. Not across the board, yeah, yeah, but sure. mostly they will. And actually, I've spoken to a lot of dietitians who will recommend if you if you don't have access to yeah. cooking um, meals from scratch, mm. That's actually, good option. ready meals yeah. are a relatively yeah. nutritionally balanced yeah. option. I think the problem, the, the way they people that are talking about these fad diets or, or pushing them on people is they do it on a, like, on a blanket basis. So, mm. like, mine and your bodies might react differently to yeah. certain foods, number one, mm. the hours we work, mm. time we have, like... There's that's why it's so complicated. Sleep, stress, you know, stuff Definitely. like that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, so difficult to... That's why, yeah, I think that's why... I think that the I think the only I mean I don't know how kind of obviously you've had a lot of positive um, comments on the stuff you do. Have you had kind of any negative negativity around you telling people? I guess kind of I don't want to say eat what you want, but like based it on is what, it what you want. Yeah, based on like the book title, eat yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, have you had that negativity around yeah. stop telling people to eat? I guess like inverted commas bad food. Yeah, I mean I get a lot of um oh, the favorites the favorites I get. <laughs> are um you're glorifying obesity that's one of them um if you tell me eat what i want i'll just go and eat 10 donuts um it's pretty extreme so, so yeah <laughs> so i saw on your on your on your website um a few of the links you know like relating to like healthy food mm. and like processed unhealthy food um but so is it that you're advocating uh that you want like troubled eaters or people that are slightly struggling with mm. uh, certain conditions is it that you want them just to start eating like pretty much anything yeah and then once they're on the right path and they've gained a healthy weight and they're a little bit more stabilized is it then uh up to them to then say right i'm going to try and clean up my diet and avoid the processed foods or are you just saying like just carry on eating whatever you I want i think carry on eating what you want um 
you know, like I said, a healthy diet is so context dependent. Um, and for a lot of people who have had issues with trouble mm. eating, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be dependent on weight at all. There's an, you know, I think they estimate that 80% of people with eating disorders actually are a, a healthy weight. You wouldn't know yeah. if you have an yeah. eating disorder. Um, and the risks to your mental health and to your long-term mm. health of having a, a, a life where you are constantly plagued by anxious thoughts about food, mm. the, those risks are huge. Yeah. Um, whereas the risk of being slightly overweight, mm. not massive, yeah. actually, um, you can be very healthy and live yeah. a very long and healthy life and be a bit overweight. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly being severely obese is not healthy. Mm. No. At, really. Um, again, massively context dependent because there's a lot of people out there who are mor- morbidly mm. obese and, and actually have no um, unhealthy... Underlying issues. Yeah, underlying health issues. They're not type 2 diabetic they don't have heart problems and that's brilliant obviously that's not the same for most people but it's all yeah. based on risk so obviously the more if you are obese your risk of developing several conditions is higher but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you will develop those conditions yeah, yeah. and i think that we need to be aware of the effect that stress Mm. psychological problems mental health issues yeah. have on mm. not only mental health but also physical health yeah um a lot of the studies also that have been done on people who are overweight and obese don't account for all of those um conflicting factors so, yeah, exactly. mm. so yeah. it's not to say at all that there's there is a um so there's a movement called health at every size who advocate for um basically it's something health at every size so that we shouldn't be so weight Mm. weight first um, and that we should perhaps reconsider the evidence that suggests that people who are very obese are at higher risk of all of these health problems um i don't necessarily sit in that camp i think it's quite extreme and i I think that a lot the evidence is very strong and i think it's it's undeniable but i certainly think that around the sort of like overweight just obese Mm. bmi um the evidence isn't particularly strong Mm. and i do think that um when you're of that in that sort of category and you're around there um the message is that your body is diseased your body is wrong you need to be Mm. on constant diets um are probably going to have a more detrimental effect on your health and raise the risk of health problems more than simply being that weight Mm. so you think there's too much emphasis on um the potential physical risks as opposed mm. to what it can do to your your mental state. Yeah, you don't definitely. really see. I mean, when you talk about diet, you don't naturally think about your mental state. You think more about what you look physically, mm. how you feel physically. Mm. And actually, so what I guess we people know might about be, yeah. what the statistics show is the most risky thing um, are diet, what they call diet failures. Yeah. So people right. who will be on constant diets basically, mm. and who maybe will be a lot bigger, and they'll they'll diet and they'll lose a lot of weight, and then they'll gain it again, yeah. and then more. And we know that 95% of diets fail. Yeah. 95% of people who go on diets will end up putting the weight back on and more. Well, what's the first thing when you say, even to a kid, you say, oh, no, you can't have that. They want the it. first thing you you want is that. So as soon as you go on a diet and you say, right, I'm cutting out all biscuits, cakes, ice cream, blah, 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 
the first thing you want at night is a ice yeah, cream yeah. after exactly. dinner or something like that. And then automatically, what we don't realise is sub- because of the culture we live in, subliminally, mm. by the age of two, three, yeah. we've already installed these messages, whether we want to consciously or not, that some foods are good and yeah. some foods yeah, are very bad. True. Yeah. And there's this this um, concept called food neutrality, which is about um, putting all foods just on an equal playing field and saying, okay, no food is bad and no food is good. All food is the same. There's some foods you might want to eat more than other foods, right. but that doesn't mean that one's better than the other. And by by putting across those messages set mm. to children, I think, you find that people develop a much healthier relationship with Ooh. all food. And, yeah. and actually, if you... Um, if you eat donuts every day for a week, you're not going to want a donut by the yeah. eighth you're not day. Feel you feel sick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's about listening to our body really and just mm. eating what feels right for you at what time. And there might be a time when you've just gone through a horrible breakup and you want to sit on a sofa and eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. That is fine, and yeah. no one should feel guilty mm. for it. Yeah. Do you um? So now, for example, if you do like you say you eat kind of flexibly now and you kind of eat what you want mm-hmm. when you do potentially get some of those thoughts is there mm-hmm. something that you is it like a process you use where you think like try and forget that kind of creeping into your mind or does it kind of naturally just go away yeah i think I know well, there's, there's a kind of a lot of, i guess like even my wife that when we say we'll come kind of speech say she goes she like she'll she kind of eats very openly mm-hmm. kind of eats what she wants but she'll still get that guilt Mm. Uh, mm. whenever she has something but I know how much she enjoys certain foods yeah. I say to her like you, I can see how happy that food makes you yeah uh, so she, that's kind of a question around like do you is there something that you do like to kind of, yeah yeah um I guess I think um I think about is it is it worth it like is mm. it worth making like life's too short basically yeah. and I think is it worth me spending the next 20 minutes like toing and froing and getting anxious and worried and then not enjoying whatever it is I end up eating because yeah. I'll be anxious mm. or just enjoying what I want to eat and mm. forget about it like that's probably going to be the best option um I also sort of I know that I know the alternative of sort of sitting in that being constricted by those fear mm. thoughts and by those yeah. an- anxious thoughts um and you end up in this like you, you sort of feel like you're in control but you're actually completely not in control yeah, because sure. it's controlling you um and so I, I guess i know that that's the alternative and i'd rather i know that the only way to be free of that is to just do the things that the thoughts mm. are telling me not to do so i'll just make a conscious effort to I guess go against whatever it is because I know that in the long run that means mm. that I'm not going to be confined to these things that are completely nonsensical but are telling me how to live my life in a certain way. But yeah. yeah. I, I, I find it hard that with me I do like um I, I wouldn't class myself as an athlete but I've trained quite a lot I, mm. I do like certain races and stuff um and I can tell how my body reacts to certain foods. Yeah. So if I have like a massive bowl of pasta or, you know, something that is not nutritionally the best, mm-hmm. I can tell how my body performs mm-hmm. the next day. Why is pasta not nutritionally the it best? It is. No, I, I eat a ton of pasta. My wife's <laughs> Italian, so we eat pasta a lot. Um, but I just say that because a lot of people have like a thing that pasta isn't good for you. Yeah, no, no. I mean, all right, that's a bad example. But for <laughs> example, if I had, like you said, sat on the, on the sofa, I could mm. easily polish off a of Ben and Jerry's mm. quite yeah, easily. Easy. But I know the next day... My body would, I wouldn't feel, my body would feel slushy, mm. you know, if I have too much sugar, for example, my body 
get like upset stomach and stuff like that mm. and I can I know what makes my body react a certain way mm. um, in terms of performance the next mm. day for my mm. certain training things um, so I struggle with with what you say about just eat whatever you want because I know that my body w- wouldn't be able to I can't just eat whatever I want because I know mm. that it affects me mm. so well it's kind of like it's eat whatever you want whatever is right for you right so yeah. eat whatever you want also means like eat what feels good for you and right. what feels good for your body and right. everyone is different um I do think that there's a lot of um I think there's there's perhaps whether we're conscious of it or not a lot of psychological um doubt about certain foods that that mm. that are there whether we know that they are mm. or not um there's this thing called the nocebo effect which I think really applies to this really um, sudden increase in um, gluten insensitivity that we've seen over the past five or so years. Mm. Um, and the nocebo effect, which is really, um, really heavily studied, basically means that if you think that something is going to cause you symptoms, it probably will. Right, yeah. um, so just as the placebo effect is incredibly powerful, yeah, yeah, um, the nocebo effect is, is similarly powerful. Right. So um, this like societal fear that we have about carbs that lies underneath, for example, yeah. um, I think a lot of my friends I see will have a bowl of pasta and be like, oh, I'm so bloated or, oh God, pasta really doesn't sit right with me. When five years ago, they didn't have a problem with pasta. They would eat mm, pasta until yeah, the cows yeah. came home and they didn't have a problem. Um, but once you tell yourself that it makes you bloated yeah. or you tell yourself carbs are bad for you, yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to be bloated. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's not saying that you're not. It's a very real symptom and it's yeah. a real physical symptom and it can mm. be painful. But I think where that carbs, carbs are bad for you came, wasn't it the Atkins diet that first said that carbs are bad? No, I think there was no carbs in it. Well, no carbs. I think that was him. It was him that said it, I think. And then it's kind of like latched onto society now. Like it's kind of like, you know, pretty much loads yeah. of people cut out carbs. Yeah. It was uh, actually, it was, it was actually like generations before that. There right. was a, another, I can't remember his name, but an, sort of one of the very early diet books, like in the beginning of the 1900s. I yeah. mean, it's crazy how these things just like, they're cycles. Yeah, they but just that's just like back. one person's idea. It's amazing that something like, just catches on and then like, literally like everyone yeah. you speak to knows. It, a lot of it is pseudo-religious, which is really interesting. Yeah. Like if you trace yeah. it all back, it all comes down to like weird religious mm. um But if influences. you look at like most of the population... Uh, for example, like Africa, you know, poorer people that mm. can't afford as much like meat and mm. dairy and stuff like that, they live off of yeah. carbohydrate, potatoes, yeah. sweet potatoes, yams. So if they're that bad for you, then pretty much loads of people would be. Yeah, and there's dying this off. like weird yeah. fringe lot of scientists who I say scientists, they're not really scientists. Um, who try and say that like pseudoscientists, yeah, pseudoscientists yeah. who try and say that ty- that um, carbohydrates causes type two diabetes, which is bollocks. No. Yeah. Um, and like they base it on the POP diet, which is like this this village in. I've heard about that. They're like a small. Yeah. They, who they say like the they live live the longest the longest yeah. in the world and they don't eat a diet high in carbohydrates. Well, that's actually not true because well, in, in Italy, Italy they do eat a lot of carbohydrates. Like, well, the blue. They talk about the blue zones like Okinawa. Um, oh, they've gone out of my head. There are seven blue zones. If you look at them, they all eat uh, predominantly higher ba- uh, yeah. plant-based foods, uh, with the, like the exception of like wild r- mm. red meat and some wild fish. Um, but like percentage-wise, it's very low. Mm. Um, but yeah, they they literally eat potatoes nearly every day. Yeah, yeah. 
So and bread. I don't know where this is like, coming from. Yeah. yeah, it's just some idiot. But that's, I think that's because the the they sell their products. Yeah, yeah. Like, say, book, I think that's the biggest. Books. I think that's the biggest issue at the moment is that exactly that. Yeah. You're fed so much false info. Yeah. Um, which you potentially were that could could have triggered what happened yeah. to you Definitely. or it could happen to us. Yeah, yeah. Like just reading one article, which is based on absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh God, like maybe I'll try a week not eating carbs, see how I go. Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh convince myself I feel better and then I just do like six months no carbs and just feel like, like absolute shit yeah. exactly so, but so. I think people want it's like if you cut out a food group if you cut out protein or you cut out fat or you yeah. cut out carbs just through through you're going to lose weight because you've cut out X Thank amount you. of calories go down. So whether you cut out fat and you eat all protein and all carbs, you're yeah. still going to lose weight. It doesn't mean it's necessarily healthy. Yeah. And actually there was an, a, a new study from the University of Liverpool where they showed exactly that, yeah. that actually there was no difference between cutting out the same amount of carbs, the same amount of fat, the same amount <coughs> of protein. Yeah. It's calories. So yeah. if you, if like aside from the calorie deficit, mm. there's no, no difference. No. Yeah. I think that's similar to intermittent fasting as well. Mm. Like when they talk about the benefits of it, I think it's more that you're probably taking less calories less in that calories, day yeah, yeah. or that week. I mean, so you're naturally going to lose weight. How has someone made money out of telling people to wake up two hours later and just don't eat breakfast? Like yeah, literally, I've, I've, I, why yeah. didn't I think of that? I've, I actually felt, I've, I had the period where I did do that intermittent mm, fasting loads of people do um but mine was more just for like it was more down to like digestion so if i like, on the weekend like, mm. I'll, I'll just eat whatever i want treat mm. myself to like, anything on a monday where i still feel full i'll be like i, just, I won't eat till yeah. 10 11 because i'm not hungry but that's like common sense yeah, that's, yeah. You know what that's I mean? like some people they're like people wake up at night at 8 a.m and they're starving mm. and they'll still do it yeah and that's where it kind of gets a bit yeah you're not listening really to your body when exactly. you're trying to just yeah. base it on a bit of like, info sometimes i'll have a massive dinner and like i'll be like sitting on the sofa and eating ice cream and then i'll wake up in the morning and i'll be fucking starving yeah. like and i'm Weird, like how yeah. <laughs> and then other times i wake up in the morning like this weekend i was at um Will's parents and like I woke up every morning because they're northern eat like absolute <laughs> I woke up in the morning and was like oh my god I can't breathe I can't move like I cannot so eat full, yeah. yeah so it's so so obviously if I feel like that I'm not going to go and like have a fiery breakfast yeah. yeah so I just think why do we need to tell people what to do and then and then you get into this funny thing where you're really not listening to your body and you're just following these nonsensical yeah. rules that are based on nothing yeah um, and then you beat yourself up because you've done it wrong or whatever well i think people want to be the person that people look up to mm. so that if they if they announce something that you know everyone latches onto they all automatically like some sort of guru mm. you know Get and then shade. they can sell some books yeah. to make some money off of it and that's what the majority, i think that's what the majority do yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like clickbait like people think i can get oh i can get a you know abs in 60 seconds and all these things that you can yeah. find on the Joe internet yeah like Joe Wicks guy yeah, yeah. so um, so what's um, what's next for you Eve? you have you got plans to kind of do more of the same I know you said that you've parted ways uh, with Laura on the website are you kind of going to carry that on on your own yeah uh, yeah yeah I am um it's a lot of work because my job is intense yeah can you imagine but um but yeah I'm hoping to and I'm writing like similar sorts of things in the paper yeah um so yeah sort of still doing that um nutrition myth busting thing um and writing about eating disorders when I can and mental health what paper is that in the mail on Sunday to people to find you yeah the health page of the mail on Sunday very different to the daily mail Yes, very important distinction to make. Yeah, I had a, a, a quick look at um, kind of some of the some of your pieces on there. Did you? Yeah, it's a very different approach to the, the yeah. male. Yeah, um, yeah, we are. We have a different health. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
different. Every time people's like, people are like, oh, Eve, the deputy health editor of the Daily Mail. I'm like, no. Men on Sunday, Men yeah. Men on Sunday, very different. It's got a bit of a bad rip, but the, the Daily Mail. But, I mean, people go on it for certain stories, I guess. Yeah. Coming marketing as well, we kind of tend to use the mail a lot for advertising. Yeah. It's just... Just has a lot of traffic, but yeah, it's just huge. the way it's crazy how how it's popular huge. it is. But... And people poo poo it, but I think at the end of the day, like you're going to reach the most amount of people. That's it, exactly. So... And obviously, you got your book as well, which is um, Eat It Anyway. Yes, which Eat is it anyway. available on Amazon. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, and I think it's available. On, you can kind of or you can click through from your site as well. You so can. That's not plantbased.com. Yeah. Um, we're we're actually going to give a. a uh, a book, your book away as well to Aww. some of our listeners. Um, so we'll do like a little competition type thing. I haven't thought yeah. of that is yet, but oh, that's so cool. yeah, if I'm well, listening out for that. I'll share it and everything. So. Yeah, great. So, um, thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank Pleasure. you very much. Yeah, and Pleasure. good luck with uh, your next steps. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Cheers for listening, guys.